This is Couch and Coffee Table. For this episode, we present another adaptation of classic literature, The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas, as presented by the Mercury Theater and starring Orson Welles on August 29, 1938. You're listening to Couch and Coffee Table. The Mercury Theater on the air. The Columbia Broadcasting System takes pride in bringing you Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in another broadcast of the unique series which signalizes radio's first presentation of a complete theatrical producing company. For these programs, the regular member stations of the Columbia Broadcasting System are joined by the coast-to-coast network of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Tonight, the Mercury Theater turns to another of the great narratives and adventure stories of the world of literature, The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. And here again is the director, the star, and producer of these broadcasts, Orson Welles. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. There is no reasonable explanation of Alexander Dumas. He was a rich man. We note with interest that he went bankrupt in the theater. He was a revolutionary. His grandfather was a marquis. His grandmother was a negress. He was born as Napoleon became emperor... He died in poverty as the Germans marched into France. He wrote The Count of Monte Cristo as a newspaper serial, and shortly after the last installment, a ball and a bullfight were organized for him in Seville, and finally in Algiers, the customs men let his baggage through without examination. Such things don't and can't happen today, but then, neither does Alexander Dumas himself, the wildest romance of a man, who could and did openly maintain at 70 numerous establishments, and a literary factory as well, whose quantitative output is equaled in the arts only by Rubens' studio. There's a good story about what Dumas Père told Dumas Fils. Father, said the inventor of Camille, I have just read your latest book. Have you, my son, said Dumas Père. What's it about? I'm not sure I have. It is no secret and no shame either that the Chateau Monte Cristo was haunted by many ghostwriters, and that its owner signed his name to more books than anyone could ever write. It is not expected of Pharaoh that he build with his own hands his own pyramids, and the mere blueprint of one Dumas plot is an airtight alibi for a whole career. Of all these, out of question, the most gloriously complex, possibly the most impossible, a mathematical miracle, as perfect as watchworks and as big as Pittsburgh, among hundreds, one Dumas plot persists as the most ingenious tall story ever perpetrated by the mind of man. God's vengeance on radio scriptwriters and your indestructible delight in spite of us. Here, then, is a humble 57 minutes' worth of The Count of Monte Cristo.
In the year 1815, I, Edmond Dantes, was first mate of the Pharaoh, bound for Marseille from Smyrna, Trieste, and Naples. The day we left Naples, the captain was attacked by a fever and died within three days. On the 28th day of September, we sighted the coast of France. Some hours later, we rounded the Chateau d'If and entered Marseille Harbor. Monsieur Morel, the owner, came abroad. Good day, Monsieur Morel. Ah, good day, Monsieur Danglars. You've heard of the misfortune that's befallen us, Monsieur Morel? Yes, yes, you mean poor Captain Leclerc. He was a brave and an honest man. And a first-rate seaman, grown old between sky and ocean. Well, a man needs not be old, Danglars, to know his business. Edmund Dantes, your mate there, seems to understand his thoroughly. Hey, let go the anchor! You see, he fancies himself captain already. And so, in fact, he is. Monsieur Morel, at your service. You called me, I think. Yes, that is. I'm told you stopped a day and a half at the Isle of Elba. Why? I don't know, sir. You don't know? No, sir. It was to fulfill the last instruction of Captain Leclerc when he was dying. He gave me a packet to be delivered on the island. Ah. You did right, Dentist, to follow Captain Leclerc's instructions, though... If it were known that you delivered a packet to the island, it might get you into trouble. How could it get me into trouble, sir, if I don't even know what it was? I was delivering. Beg your pardon, sir. Here, the customs officer's coming alongside. Hey there, the other companionway. Well, Monsieur Morel? Yes, Monsieur Danglars? Edmund Dottis gave you satisfactory reasons for his landing at Alba? Oh, yes, quite satisfactory. <laughs> So much the better. Yes, it was Captain Leclerc who gave orders for this delay. Talking of Captain Leclerc, has Dantes given you a letter from him? To me? No, was there one? I believe that besides the packet, Captain Leclerc had confided a letter to his care. Of what packet are you speaking, Dangla? Of that which Dantes left at the Isle of Elba. How do you know he had a packet to leave at the Isle of Elba? I was passing close to the door of the captain's cabin, which was partly open. I saw him give the letter and the packet to Dante's. He didn't speak to me of it, but if there was any letter, he'll give it to me. Dungla, you'll report to the office this afternoon with the bills of lading and the storage plans. Good day. Good day, Monsieur Morel. It's a wonderful thing to be home again after three months at sea. To see the places you've grown up in as a boy and the streets full of people. I found my father in the little dark room where he lived on the fourth floor of a house in the Rue du Noyer. Father. Oh, Edmund. Father. What is it? Are you ill? Father, what's wrong with you? No, no, my boy, my son, no, but I... That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We appreciate you stopping by and listening in, and we hope you continue to do so. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more from us, we upload every Monday and Wednesday of the week. Until next time, take care. This has been Couch and Coffee Table.